Hello, and welcome to Risk Chats with a Firm. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. And today we have a special guest, Mr. Eric Arnold from the uh, Export-Import Bank. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. All right. Well, uh, well thanks for coming down. Um, I wanted to just you know, kind of get an overview of what, uh, what the agency does, maybe to start with, since I'm not sure everybody's familiar with the Export-Import Bank. And what, you get, you, what do you guys call that, the XM? XM, yeah. So you hear, you'll hear a lot of XM around here. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. So, so you want to give us a little intro on that? Sure. Uh, what I refer to it as the bank. You okay, know, the bank. What we do is provide funding for exports and imports. That's in the title. Sure. Uh, we're really, most of our focus is being competitive with China globally, mm-hmm. as well as ensuring American jobs. So we do a lot of aircraft work with Boeing. We do a lot of work with manufacturing and exporting those goods and services mm-hmm. globally. So we're really currently pushing a lot to do a lot of stuff in Africa, Latin America. We're working on some stuff in Ukraine. So we're in a constant uh, guidance from the Biden administration to get out there, do a sustainable energy deals. You know, Don't focus so much on the aircraft stuff and just really get out there. And so we do a lot of work with State Department, a lot of work mm. with Treasury. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like our mission and our mandate is, and we're run by a board of directors and we mm-hmm. have a chairman. So it's a little different than some of the other agencies, whereas we're small, we're about 400 people. Okay. But we do do a lot of work globally, and we do a lot of linkages with NSA, you know, most of the other bank, global banks peg on what we're saying to do, we mm-hmm. set the loan rates, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of, you know, important work that we do, and it's also, like I said, it's global. So it makes it challenging from a risk perspective because I have to constantly look external risk more than mm. I used to in my previous capacity at VA, which was more health risk. Right. So I'm constantly looking at political situations, kind of constantly looking at what the Financial Times is saying about the dollar, you know, wars abroad, you know. So you get that, that pink newspaper, you read that every day? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's basically it. Uh, as far as the uh, ERM program, you know, in 2016, we had our reauthorization charter. We have to be reauthorized by Congress at, to get our funding. And so we got our reauthorization. And part of that reauthorization, they added in the need for enterprise risk management and a chief risk officer mm. position. So my boss, Ken Tinsley, uh, applied for the position. Uh, he's been at the bank for a very long time. He's pretty much been in every single part of the bank. Mm which makes it very handy. That's a good position then. He's yeah. doing risk <laughs> because he actually knows how every piece Everything works. Right. So he's a very good mentor and a guide to building up our risk. And so he became the chief risk officer in 2016. Uh, they had no ERM framework, nothing at the time. We, we did do a lot of the top-down, bot- bottom-up stuff. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of the three lines of defense model. He's very... Uh, knowledgeable in the three lines of defense. So that was kind of the cornerstone of the fr- framework that we built out. Uh, my predecessor had the position for, I think, three years, and then she moved over to the uh, deputy chief management officer position. Then they had another person in my position for about a year. Then he went to Fannie Mae. And then I came in in 2021 mm-hmm. and basically redid the entire program to make it more uh, 
qualitative, data-centric, a lot more structure. Mm -hmm. uh, I have this whole uh, mantra that says that we have to add value to the offices. If we don't add value, we're not going to get risks. We can't be a compliance arm. We have to be part of the business structure. So we really work closely with the risk owners to not only get their risk, but tailor it in a way that aligns the strategy, aligns to the president's mental agenda, and provides some value to the chair and the board. Right. So it, it makes it a lot more palatable when I brief the chair that, what, you know, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. You always <laughs> talk about bad news. So I try very hard not to talk about bad news, but just opportunities to improve yeah. and increasing value and transparency. So, and then just going back to, so you said Ken is the chief risk officer. Yep. Um, and then, so what is your kind of like title in the organization or what would you put yourself? Yeah, I'm the managing director okay. of enterprise risk management. So I work in the CRO's office. In our office, we have three stools, as Ken talks about it. There is credit risk. Mm -hmm. Then there is the country economists, the economic risk. Mm -hmm. And then there's the ERM program. Okay. So that's, and all that supports the CRO. So that's basically how we all function and work together as the three legs of the stool. And a little bit more about the way things are organized. So your chief risk officer, who does he report to? The chair. So yeah, to all the way to the chair. Okay. All the way to the chair. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he is a senior vice president. Uh, he reports to the chair and the board. So he doesn't really have, you know, and that's, that's a political position above him. Mm-hmm. So it gives him a lot of flexibility and ability to talk across bit lines of business because he's a senior vice president and everybody else is our senior vice presidents as well. And another thing, we were talking, you know, preparing for this podcast, I had, I had understood that, um, well, you're an independent agency, right? So you're not executive or any of the other branches. And you kind of have your own funding too? Your, or yeah, we're, we're self-funded. Self-funded, yeah. yeah. That, that, that is the goal is we, we exist off of the fees, off the loans that we do. Right. And then we kick out the extra back to treasury. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And again, I mean, so you, you said about 400 people. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the fact that your CRO is, you know, reporting to the board, you know, to the board, to the, you know, um, I mean, and, and him specifically, like you said, he's worked throughout the bank. So he just knows all the people that like, how do you guys organize and get people's, time and interest in this kind of a program. It's just, you know, it can be a struggle if you don't have the good co connections. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a very interesting thing because I came over from VA, mm -hmm. and so it was a lot more hierarchical. In some ways, yeah. easy to get things done because the secretary says do whatever, just does it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the bank is a lot more uh, communal. Okay. So, which is another reason why I focus on value with it because right. we don't have, like, we, I, I just can't say you have to do this. I have to kind of encourage them to do certain parts of risk. I have to show them why it's part of their time to do these things. So how do you do that? I mean, I'd love to yeah. <laughs> learn. So one of the things I did, which Kent thought was kind of you know, different, is yeah. I set up a working group. Okay. First thing I did is I set up a working group, and I have at least two people from every single uh, office in the working group. And I do this for two reasons. A... There are the risk practitioners in those offices. Mm -hmm. B, it allows me to get standards and training across the enterprise relatively easy because mm -hmm. if I, a working group meets once a month and at least twice a quarter we have some form of training. Hmm. And we also do train the trainers. So we start getting out the standards, 
how we do you know risk identification is wash rinse and repeat everyone understands it yeah it also helps the culture out because by working with uh people usually at the director level in the working group they know enough about their programs to communicate it up to their senior vice president who sits on the ERC. So my working group is kind of like a mini ERC. Ken chairs the ERC with all the senior vice presidents. And then one level down, I'm doing the working group with actually developing the risks and communicating the risks right. back, to, back to the offices. So it really helps the culture. It really helps explain the why, the what. And I'm also seeing as I'm making a better point to be their advocate Mm-hmm. on certain things, because I can go talk to the chair about stuff. I brief her twice a year on the assessment. And so some of the offices like to say, you go tell the chair that I need this. And I'm like, okay, well, I just can't tell the chair how to do stuff, but I have no problem bringing it up as a risk and discussing it with her. So sometimes, like staffing, has always been a problem across mm-hmm. the federal space. It's one of our major risks. And she'll ask, what's going on with this? How's it, how is it coming? And we have a very candid discussion that I come back to the offices and say, well, this is what she wants you to do. Yeah. If you want X, she wants Y, you know, you have to have some kind of structure. You got to have a plan. You got to justify it in a way that she understands why Mm -hmm. you need X number of extra bodies. So by doing that, it helps get what they need done as well as keeping that dialogue going. So we're talking about the risk. We have human capital risk. We have strategic risk, operational risk. So we have a lot of risk categories that we go through. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the working group makes it very easy to get the pulse of the bank from an operational level. You know, because 15s and 14s would have problems telling you what's making them crazy. I'll tell you straight out. So, <laughs> so it makes it a lot easier for me to go back to Ken saying, and I report to him every Friday, this is where we are in, in, the, in the maturity. This is where we are in the culture. Here are the things that are coming down the pike on a short, medium, and long term. And then he'll report that up if he thinks it's necessary to the senior staff meeting. So we have this yeah. ability to have this communication conduit going up, down, is and that getting a, things done. And that is his meeting monthly as well? He meets, uh, the senior staff meeting is every, twice a week. Oh, twice a week. All right. So I have my meeting with him every Friday. And then he sends up his senior staff for Monday at noon on Friday. Mm-hmm. And then it goes up to the chair and the senior staff. So it gives us visibility if something's coming along or an office isn't having trouble trying to do some of the, the matrix stuff we do. Mm-hmm. You know, I can just say, hey, Ken, I'm having trouble over here. He goes, okay, I'll bring it up to senior staff and we'll see if we can, you know, goose them along a little bit or get some more training and done. So that's also been a thing is I really push training. We have a very robust training program. Uh, we have 13 modules. Hmm. It's tiered across function. Okay. So there is what I call like the enterprise uh, trainings, which is for everybody at the bank. Then we have a, a, a series of training or pathway for risk practitioners. Mm-hmm. And then we have another pathway for the executive. So that way we're all speaking the same language up and down. Uh, We don't have mandatory training, but it's strongly encouraged. I force the working group to take all the training as (laughs) much as possible so they do their tasks. But it also helps. And like I said, it's all online. They're all videos. Mm. And it's free. 
to the bank employees. So now we just rolled it out onto our internal learning site. Mm-hmm. So now anybody can log in anytime they want to classes in Monte Carlo simulation, predictive analytics, you know, oh. risk assessments, how to identify our risk. I even have some uh, stuff on the green book. Yeah. So it helps a lot of stuff as we talk about topics. I don't constantly have to hold a training. I can say, well, here's a video on this. Can you spend 20 minutes? And then if there's a problem, come back to me. So it, it frees up my team a lot because I only have a mm-hmm. team of two. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and I'm basically like the risk guru guy. So I have to go through a lot of stuff. So it's easier for, from my perspective to focus on content. So is that something, was that custom for your agency or did you guys, is there something out in the market that you bought the training or how I does built that work? it. You built it. Okay. Yeah, I built everything. I don't have, I'm really big on, since you, I own the framework mm-hmm. and I own the process. I know exactly the types of training I need to move it along. Yeah. And then I can customize it to the audience of the bank. So I was just had a meeting with uh, some people at DHS who were asking about my training. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you, you can't go out to like learning tree and get a, yeah. Not in a way, if you want to hurt your culture, yeah, because mm. now your culture is going to be around somebody, somebody else is doing it. Yeah, or but it's just too generic or it, whatever, right? Right, yeah. and it, it's, you know, value in it. So it's all customizable. Uh, and it's, I'd say it's at a, at a grad school level. So, I mean, it, there's a, I've had uh, my risk practitioners on my team have actually been certified off of the training. Mm-hmm. So they've got the RIM certification. They didn't, have to oh. go to, they didn't have to go to any of the testing. Wow. They just went through the modules and... I work with them a little bit on it, so it works out a lot. Also for retention, yeah, I don't have to spend a year and have training somebody, which is always a problem. Yeah, in this environment, yeah, losing key personnel, losing uh, senior vice presidents, hmm. not losing board members. I mean, this way it's very easy for me. I have one meeting with them, I give them the links, and then I yeah. wait for them to come back and tell me what the problem is. So right. it's cut down maybe six months. To a year oh, well. off of basically almost turnkey. If I can get someone who will watch the videos and be inquisitive, I can kind of get things going very quickly. Same thing with interns. I can get an intern turned up in three months. <laughs> so I don't really have a, a learning curve at this point. Right. That's awesome. So uh, now do you have some other tools and things you've kind of brought in there? And maybe even just to talk about when you first came, what, what was it like? And then where has it gone from... From there, you know? Yeah, when I came in, it was a very manual process. Yeah. Spreadsheets, reports were written, you know, PowerPoint. And I find it's very hard to do risk in, in writing reports because it's static. By the time you get it written and delivered, it's three months later and the risk has moved on. Yeah, yeah. So I do, my approach is very dynamic. I try to get as much automatic data as possible. So I plug into the authoritative data sources, pull that data in, and then disperse it. So that way I have timely information and we can make, you know, quantifiable decisions. So, so what, yeah, like what kind of sources are you tapping, you know? Oh, my God. Uh, like our loan authorizations. Mm-hmm. I get into CFO's office. I work with them on a lot of the compliance stuff that we have to report to that mm-hmm. they're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I just subsume their data and then put it into a, a report or a dashboard. Yeah. So it makes it a lot easier to communicate from one office to another office in a timely manner. Also, I can't stand data calls. 
<laughs> I find when you want to annoy somebody, give them a data call. They, they really get on their nerves. So yeah. <laughs> this way, by working with the working group, I try to get updates to data, ideally monthly, mm-hmm. but I don't do prescriptive. So it's more along the lines of when is the data going to be available? Because I don't want bad data. Right. So some offices do it quarterly because that's when they, that's what their business cycle is. If I try to do it any faster, like, Eric, the bar is not going to change. This is when we get our data. Yeah. So some are quarterly, some are monthly, some are semi-annually. It all depends on what they are providing to the mix. But there's always something mm-hmm. that can be shared, discussed, you know, from policy to external relations. Mm-hmm. There's all, Congress is always doing something. So there's always <laughs> Some area of risk we could talk about. And also I have I use a lot of Gartner stuff. Okay. So I have them do an independent assessment twice a year on the culture and uh, my framework just so I can know I'm pushing along at a respectable pace and I'm keeping our, our scores high. You know, I'm not a big score person, but the chair likes the score. They them, yeah. It's a measurable thing. So also when I get audited, they're like, well, how did you get a five? I was like, well, it used to be a four, and it was a two when I came in. So <laughs> it doesn't, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's the function. Are you providing value? Are you doing good risk work? And are, are the offices talking about risk? So I had to basically build a taxonomy. I had to build a whole risk language that could also fit into the banking language rather than mm. trying to teach them a whole new way of communicating, Yeah, I tweaked it. Gotcha. So it, it made things a lot easier that way, especially with SVPs. They have their nomenclature, and so I said, well, this is that. <laughs> oh, okay, oh, that makes sense, fine. And like I said, we still, I still have to go through, like right now we're just doing our update on our assessment. Mm-hmm. We're also doing our update on, on uh, the enterprise appetite and tolerance document. I like to do my documents every year. Mm-hmm. And I always get a couple offices like, well, Eric, this tolerance thing, I don't quite get it. So I spend a lot of time going round and round about the difference between appetite and tolerance and how we use it. So, which I'd rather have them asking the question than just not doing anything about it. So, so yeah, I mean, like, do you guys actually so you do have a, a risk appetite statement as well that you use? or yep, official we one? have yeah. one enterprise one, and then I have office level. Okay especially if some of the offices have a higher appetite than the enterprise, which is, you know, you can't have one cut across the line. So some of our BD offices are a little more flexible Mm -hmm. than, say, general counsel. So I have some that are two. I have some that are fours. The overall (laughs) uh, appetite is a three. So to to describe that all the way up to the chair, I break it into those kind of modules. So I yeah. An appetite for finance. I have an appetite for external relationships, et cetera. Kind of has to be that way. Yeah. I mean, all the accountants and lawyers just be like super low, you know. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they live in what I call the binary world. You yeah. did it or you didn't do exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. I want to hear a little bit more about the tools because you said you basically build your own. I mean, you don't use any like existing GRCs or other things that are out there. Or well, yeah. how, how do you do it? I, I, I am. Pro- well, I'm a data guy to begin with. Okay. So it's easier for me to build my own. And I also find the cost of purchasing a GRC prohibitive. Yeah. I also find that implementation of a GRC, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Mm, mm-hmm. So if you don't have a really robust business process, yeah, 
and you bring in an IT team to come in and they follow you around for a couple of weeks, they're not going to get what you're really doing. Right, right. So, like, I was, I was talking to the guys at DHS about this very simple thing because they're looking at a tool. Mm-hmm. Well, I my business process is 192 pages. That's my that's my framework. Uh, I'm like, 192 pages? Oh, my God. I'm like, you're right. I have covered every single part mm. of my risk. Yeah. If you haven't got one of those, what are you going to give a tool guy? Something's going to miss. Something The, the inter- yeah. you know, exchanges aren't going to work. So when I built this out, I decided the easiest thing to do is just build it out, automate it, mm-hmm. and then just so it was like a proof of concept. Can I actually do this? So I started using SharePoint, Power Apps, mm-hmm. and Power BI. Yeah, good stuff. A, because the Microsoft suite was free. That's right. Yep. I didn't have to go to IT security issues because it's already done, and I don't have to worry about updates. So it took about, the first time I built it, it took about a year because hmm. I was doing it part-time. Mm-hmm. So I was like doing on top of all the other stuff. Yeah. So now I've done it three times, and I can pretty much crank it out quickly. The BI part I use for the reporting and the assessment. So my assessments are totally automated. I don't do paper assessments. Hmm. They're all through BI. I take all the data in from the various registers, the KRIs, KPIs, KCIs, mm-hmm. fold them all in and use the analytics in BI to build the visualizations. Like my boss will always say, Eric, I'm not going to read 190 pages. You got to get it to me in like three slides. Yeah. What's the issue? For sure. So dashboards are really good with that. And right. I can do what, what if scenarios, which you can't do in a PowerPoint. That's right. Yeah. So I'm really big on the BI. So I started using it for my assessments. Now I use it for just any type of analytics an mm-hmm. office wants to do uh, or a change in policy. Hmm. We'll build a dashboard for that so we can see if we change the policy to X, how will that affect the, the lines of business? Yeah. So we can do a lot of those type of scenarios, which we could never do two years ago. And we're just now getting better and better at it right it's an iterative process. It takes, I tell people, to go from paper, spreadsheets, to dynamic is three to five years. Because you have to train mm. your users to use it. That's true. They're used to the PowerPoint. They like the PowerPoint. Yep. They don't know about slides and slicers and all that stuff. So you have to yeah. hold their hand through it. But after about a year of using it, they start seeing the value into it. And then they start requesting more dashboards. I started out with like three dashboards. I'm up to like 13, 14 dashboards. <laughs> and also other offices are using BI now. Right. So it's also easier to link up. If you have, say, the budget on BI, I can just pull that data in. I don't have to get a budgetary report and then re-enter all the data. Right, right. So it allows me to, like I said, do more risk work than more data entry work. Yeah. And also the information is uh, across the enterprise. So if I'm pulling the finance data from the CFO's office, I don't have to worry about them doing a report and me not having the updated data. I have the same data they have. So when I brief the chair, it's not a tale of two cities. It's a (laughs) consistent message. Right. Just with a different lens. So that's the goal, really, is to get as much authoritative data and then put the risk model on top of it. And then once you get that, go down to the KRI level. I do my scoring at the KRI level. I, indicators to me are a lot easier to track improvements in, in, in the risk rather than having it at 
just the scoring level at risk, score, you know. It doesn't work, though. And also, I do velocity. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I can actually tell the chair or the risk owner, the likelihood of this happening is in six months. The likelihood of this happening is in 18 months. Wow. So they can prioritize yeah. what do we need to focus on. Right. Before I had velocity, everything had the same weight. Yeah, so, that's not helpful. So <laughs> if everything's, oh no, these are all my fours, right. So what's the most, most important four? I can't tell. Right. Likelihood and impact. But when you say, you got to do something about this in the next quarter, and this is probably two years out, it may not even come to fruition because it's so far out. Right. They can kind of target on what their time should be spent doing and what, what needs to be addressed. Well, hopefully, like budgeting things too. Like, what do we need to spend on now? What do we need to budgeting uh, strategy wise? I go down to the lowest level I can. I don't like to do goals because you know, strat plans are great. They're five years out. Yeah, ideal people who want to be here for two years on the political side. Mm -hmm. Not getting. They don't really want to talk about it. You know, it's like, oh, that's nice. But when you get to the objective level and you can say this is one year to two years out. Now you got their attention. So I start breaking things down to the KRI, the KCI, the objective level. Mm -hmm. So all my risks are aligned at the objective level. And then when I do a report, I show the office, here are all your risks. Here's what objectives you're supporting by these risks. And this is how you're furthering the strat plan along or yeah. the agent's mission. And I've had a lot of uh, risk owners tell me, you know, we've never been able to communicate how we fit into this, you know, goal number three, because it's HR. We're not HR, we're legal. But mm. there is a piece for everybody if you look at, at that level. Right. And also the chair seems to respond a lot better to those kind of quantitative measures. So that's another yeah. one. Going from qualitative to quantitative is two to three years. It's, none <laughs> of this happens overnight. Yeah. I, you know, and even if you have the best people, you have to retrain executives who've been doing this 20, 30 years. And right. That's a hard thing to change their, yeah. their mindset. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, too, a couple more questions sure. here. Um, do you guys have, a, like, an A123 or Sarbanes-Oxley type program as well? And is that how does that integrate with this? Yeah. we. I started out when I came in. I was like, okay, give me all the government. Give me, what, what, what do we have to address with? So I was like, here's the charter. Here's A123. Here's A130. Here's the green book. So the whole alphabet soup. Yeah. And then what I looked at was what do we have mm -hmm. and what do we don't need to worry about. Okay. So we have a very robust, I think we go further than A123 and do some SOC stuff mm -hmm. that a lot of other offices wouldn't do, but we're a bank. You're a bank, so, yeah. You know, we also do some A11 stuff mm -hmm. as far as the programs. You don't have a lot of programs, but we got FISMA reporting. We have IT security. IT understands A11. By talking to them at A130, you lose them. So I try to take what, what they're used to, grab the data, move it in, and report it. So I'd say our foundational uh, guidance would be the charter and circular A123, then the fraud in the green book, mm -hmm. then A130. Hmm. Okay. So it's, it's like I said, it's tailor-made for the bank and the business that we use. But everything is A1, A123 compliant. All of our risk stuff is compliant. Um, all right. Well, we got almost time here. I got one more last question sure. for you. Uh, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, you've done quite a lot since you've been there. I mean, are there any other 
big things you kind of what, what do you want to do next or you want to add on to the program? Have you thought about that at all? Yeah, I have. I always start the year off with my as is and my to be. What is my to be environment year after year? So th- the big thing this year from 22 to 23 was to get that training out. Yeah. And to get it across the enterprise and get it actually into distribution so everybody can get it and it was no cost. So that was like three years to build that in. But I finally got in with the chief training officer and rolled that out. Next year, I would l- really like to focus on more distribution of risk uh, information, like a, the newsletter the chair has. Every uh, month, the chair sits down and she'll publish from every office. Here are the key things. Mm-hmm. We've only gotten there once. I'm trying to get there every single time. So. All right. Also, more quantitative. I mean, it's just, even more. Yeah. <laughs> it's a never. I tell my team we're never going to be quantitative enough. We're yeah. Just not. So. This year, uh, KRIs were the big thing. Next year, KCIs and KPIs is going to be the big push. And then if I could get the dashboards done and finished in the tool next year, that's the slow roll is to get this whole tool completed. Mm-hmm. I guess I have a team of two. It takes a lot longer than if I had a contract. I ask for a contract every year. If I can, you know, just give me yeah. one guy for like <laughs> six months, I can knock this out. Right. But, you know, money's tight across the federal space. Yeah. I mean, so I'm doing it internally. I mean, it sounds like it's. I mean, it's, it's a valuable tool. So that, I mean, you've been able to do it yourself, which is awesome. So yeah, it, it, like I said, once you do it once, because it, it's an app. So you yeah. know, apps. I know high school kids who build apps. That's it's, true. It's not that hard to <laughs> right. do conceptually. Yeah. It's just a matter of do you have the time. Yeah. And so uh, that's why I share with a lot of my uh, uh, risk practitioners or people like Eric. How do you do this stuff? So I have like screenshots and I show them how they could do automated assessments and you know and it, it gets for the data calls mm-hmm. also it tracks the for me I can track who's putting in the work who's not putting in the work because you have to log into it yeah that's so true. I, I can know if an office hasn't updated their risk in six months because nothing happened nothing there yeah and <laughs> then I can create a report and then I can talk to their their, their leadership saying you got to give me somebody else who can do Six-month-old risk is not pertinent yeah. anymore. So it's stuff like that. So really working on the culture. We're at a four or five now on our culture. I really want to get it up in level with the five and maintain it. You know, that's my boss's big thing is like, well, that's great. You got a five, but why are you going to keep that? Yeah. And so that's I'm, I'm really trying to innovate and maintain, innovate a little bit and maintain. So that's kind of like our wash, rinse, and repeat. Just provide value to the organization. I mean, that's my, I don't want to do stuff just to do it. No, yeah. You know, no, I, mean, I like some of the stuff I do, but, I, I, you know, it falls flat on the audience. I'm like, mm. Eric, I don't understand what that is. That, what are all those numbers? So yeah. The visualizations, if they're useful, and to get more people from the bank actually asking for us to do dashboards for them. I think that's a valuable thing because yeah. I can talk risk while I'm building the dashboard. So I'm, I'm right. constantly trying to communicate the value of risk. Well, this has, yeah, been fascinating. It's very exciting. Sounds like um, something that a lot of folks should, should try to do. It sounds like do-it-yourself might, w- might be a way to go, especially, you know, a lot of agencies. I mean, obviously, every program is so unique. Every agency is different. To get some cookie-cutter off-the-shelf things not always a great way. So hopefully you inspired others to do the same thing. Yeah, and I share all the stuff I have. I'm awesome, at, I, yeah. I, I'm constantly talking to other people, like agriculture and treasury and labor and other people. Yeah. How do you do this or how do you do that? How do you do human capital mo- modeling? Mm-hmm. 
I'm not saying it's right. This is how I do it. Take a look at it. <laughs> you know, if you like, here's how I did my training modules. Yeah. So I literally have, I think our last check was 78 classes. Wow. Okay. Which is kind of, I know, I'm an overachiever. So, <laughs> but. Hey, well, that's good. No, I, well, I, I, this has been great. I appreciate, uh, Eric, your time. And, uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And like I said, we're always available to discuss anything that anybody wants to talk about or, you know, ping me. All right, we'll send. We'll put your email out there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if people don't already have it because I do get a lot of. Requ- I get like three requests a week. Oh, uh, okay. But yeah. feel free to, you know, like I said, if someone has a question or just wants to bounce ideas, I, I get better doing my work by talking to other practitioners. Right. You can't do it in the silo. All right. Well, well, this has been uh, Risk Chats uh, with your host Paul Marshall, and thanks for joining us.